Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. This is a podcast for those of us who are learning about ADHD, whether you have just started that journey or whether you've been doing it for lots of years. My name is Danae Cannon. I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist. I'm a certified coach. I am a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I do have ADHD myself. So welcome to the Crash Course. We are in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we're going to talk about the bright side of failure ways that we can benefit from our failures. If you're going to try things in life, you're going to fail. If you're going to take risks, you're going to fail. Sometimes if you're like me, you're really not going to be trying anything that amazing or taking risks, you're still going to fail. That is just the reality of, of being a human. And so failure is a part of life. It's definitely a part of growth. And what we do with our failure is key. How do we make the most out of this kind of unpleasant but inevitable experience of failure. And the work I do, I work with people who've had a lot of failures. I've had a lot of failures. This is a part of learning to work with your brain. It can definitely be a reality for those of us who are diagnosed later and have to figure things out as we go along. So what are some tips for ways we can do this? Get more out of our failures. Get the most out of our failures. Number one that I'm going to throw out there is adding humor. Honestly, people with ADHD tend to be good at this. I guess we just develop this ability. A lot of us do. Humor is an incredible tool. And there's something really therapeutic about laughing and not taking ourselves so seriously, especially if it's about one of our failures. Having a sense of humor about the times we fail can be a skill. It can help to take the sting out of those moments. Now, I know that humor can be a defense mechanism. You know, anything that can be used uh, in a helpful way can be taken to a far extreme. I'm not suggesting that you don't take things seriously that you need to take seriously but most of the people that i work with take themselves really seriously and their failures end up meaning a lot more than the one circumstance they have stories around failures that end up being these really limiting beliefs that impact the way they see themselves the way they interact with the world so rather than keep on with that story approaching ourselves with a little bit of levity can be a good thing When I first moved to this area, I wanted to find a way to connect with people. And so I joined a tennis team and our team had a coach. And so each member of the team would pay this coach directly for their portion of like eight weeks of lessons or something like that. And the coach's name was Dendell. I'm going to change his last name here because I don't know if he actually wants to be named in my podcast, but I'll pick something really close. So we're going to say his name is Dendell Lawson. And I wrote this man a check. I didn't know him, but wrote him a check for my eight lessons and went on my merry way. A few days later, I got a call from him and he said, Mrs. Cannon, I can't cash your check. I thought, oh no, like, well, I know that there was money in that account. And, you know, I'm going through this, like, oh, what did I tell you? Like, not sign my name? Did I not put the amount? Really, any one of those things could be a possibility. With me, he said, no, my name is Denzel Lawson and you made the check out to Denzel Washington and I can't cash it. And I still don't actually know how I did that. Like clearly I was on autopilot, but not autopilot enough. Maybe I was talking to someone. I'm not sure. I don't know that he found it particularly funny. It actually seemed a little put out, but I had to find the humor in it. I could have started in on myself with like stories of in self-criticism and been down on myself, but that would not have been particularly helpful. I want to point out that there is a difference between laughing at yourself and in handling this in a lighter way and being the butt of a joke or always being the punchline for a joke and having ADHD used against you in the name of humor. I 
can't really say where that line is for other people. My litmus test is, is what I think of as a shared vulnerability. You know, if it's always me and my misadventures, then it's always kind of like I'm the punchline of the joke. Well, okay, that's really probably not that helpful to me. But if we exchange some of this flawed humanness, then that can be therapeutic. Like, actually, I did have a friend with this with this story in particular, when I told her about it, she then told me about getting in the wrong car with the person in it at the grocery store. Like she had gone to her car, which was not her car, got in it and there was a person in it. And she was so involved in her thoughts that she didn't realize it till she saw the person. I do have a lot of friends with ADHD. That helps too. But this is what I would consider shared vulnerability and it's good stuff. Number two, for getting more out of your failures. And this is definitely cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Look for the lesson. It really is true that we can learn more from our failures and our successes. Another story I have, it's like my tennis day. I'm talking about tennis stories, but it was the worst tennis loss that I ever experienced. If you're not familiar with scoring for tennis, you have to win two of three sets and you win the set first person to six who wins by two. So if you get five and five, you're going to go a little bit higher to win the set. But anyhow, I was playing a singles match. I'd won the first set 6-0. I was up the second set 5-0. You could probably guess where I'm going because it's one of my great failure stories. I ended up losing that second set. And then, you know, that second set, I was one game away from winning that set and winning the match, which then put us playing a third set, which you could guess I lost as well because I was so frustrated and, and distracted. So even though that was a humiliating way to lose a match, I learned a ton from that match and it actually impacted the way I played afterwards. It, it still impacts the way I play because I learned that you could be down in a match impossibly down in a match and you could still come back and you know you know that saying it's not over till it's over those kind of sayings but knowing that that's possible and getting that like on an experiential level are really different and so it really did change the way I think about a match even if I am so down I think oh well it's not over till it's over who knows what will happen in the same thing if I have a lead I don't count my chickens. Is it chickens before they hatch or eggs before they hatch? Whatever it is, I don't count them before they hatch. And so it did impact the way I played. And it was something really valuable to me ultimately. And so, you know, that one's a sports one. There's not a lot at stake, but I have other examples where there was more at stake. For example, with my business, first year that my business was actually profitable. I didn't entirely get that quarterly taxes were not just a suggestion right? They're not optional in the U.S. Different countries approach this differently. In the U.S., if you work for yourself, you need to pay taxes every quarter. I honestly thought that it was like a suggestion so you can kind of budget and not have a huge tax bill at the end of the year. You know, the IRS is not typically a really uh, looking out for you kind of entity, so I probably should have pieced that one together earlier, but I did not. And so at the end of the year, I was hit with some pretty hefty underpayment penalty fees. You don't just catch up. You get penalized for that financially. And so that sucked. And I, I love the way my brother-in-law kind of interpreted that because he says something like, well, that's the cost of an education. And I like that reframe, right? It's for those situations when out of ignorance, you make kind of a costly mistake. And, but then you have it, right? Then you have the education from that. Paying those fees hurt. It was unpleasant. I felt frustrated, but it helped me prioritize finding an actual tax strategy for my business. And that was really beneficial. 
Would I have opted for the more expensive way to learn that? No, I wouldn't have. I mean, I would have chosen to do it correctly the first time and save that money, but I was able to take the lesson from it. Number three is to practice the art of self-compassion. Now, almost no one comes to work with me because they want to develop self-compassion. That's just not really the typical goal of someone who's coming to seek out an ADHD coach. Um, People come because they want tools for executive functioning skills or help with emotional regulation, organization, career changes, relationships, whatever they're working on because of the way ADHD shows up in their lives. Self-compassion doesn't even make it on the top three for most people. But what I found to be almost universally true is that self-compassion is lacking and it contributes to the problem. It's not just about being nice to ourselves. A lack of self-compassion can be really limiting. This is definitely a topic I revisit and I will continue to do so because this is something that comes up all the time with coaching. People are afraid that if they're showing themselves too much compassion, that's somehow going to prevent them from reaching the goals that matter to them. And it's really just the opposite. That inner drill sergeant is not an effective way to get things done. You know, it's what I, what I consider white knuckling and you can only white knuckle so much in a day. It's not a sustainable approach for change. And so the research shows us that self-compassion is helpful for change. Self-compassion lets us sit with kind of the sting of a difficult thing and just acknowledge the sadness of flopping, of failing at something. I know I've mentioned humor and I know that I've mentioned, you know, the meaning that comes from learning a lesson from something, but it's not all roses. Obviously failure is hard and, and self-compassion lets us acknowledge that hard part and also work on the reframe, finding the humor, the lesson, seeing the upside. It, you know, they, they work together. They're incomplete on their own. So we have to acknowledge the fact that it, it's difficult as well as take the benefit. And so both things can be true here. Things that can be difficult and challenging, and we also have benefits from them. So self-compassion lets us embrace all of that when we fail. A big piece of self-compassion is this concept of common humanity. You know that you're not alone, whether you're failing, no matter what's going on in your life, you're not doing this uh, all on your own, that people understand, go through similar things, that you're not an island. And so self-compassion allows us to benefit from that common humanity it allows us to to be in our own corner and to encourage ourselves and, and that gives us strength to move on from failures we can look for the pieces that we got right even when we're adjusting for the things that we didn't get right so be that person for yourself also pay attention to the people in your life you want to surround yourself with people that are showing you compassion you know it's easy to celebrate people when they're getting it all right but you want people around you that can celebrate you still when you're getting it wrong when you've failed they don't think you've done a permanent job when you really miss the mark on something you know these could be family and friends they could be professionals that you're hiring like a therapist or a coach they could be teachers mentors employers they can show up in a lot of places but we want to be intentional to make sure that we do have a lot of that in our lives a lot of those compassionate encouraging people in our lives as well as being that person for ourselves my number four and final way for getting more out of your failures in benefiting from your failures is help others by sharing your failures this is one of those that is like the opposite of what we want to do we don't want to go public with our failures maybe we'd rather hide them or, or maybe we'd rather wait until we have this really inspirational story to share 
Right? We love failure stories that end in a big triumph, like that the story about Michael Jordan getting cut from his basketball team or someone telling Walt Disney that he had no imagination. I don't know if either one of those are true, but they definitely float around a lot, those kind of stories. But you don't really have to hold out for that ending to help people with your failures. Just the fact that you got back up can help people. That whole idea of the cost of an education, your cost that you're paying could help somebody else in a similar situation. So when you allow other people to benefit from the knowledge that you obtain from getting things wrong, you're really making the most out of that experience of failure. If you're leading people, teaching, mentoring, working with children, parenting, you know, this is a great place to help others learn with your failures. I can tell you kids love this. Kids love hearing how you get things wrong. They can relate to it. We can all relate to it. You know, hearing about somebody who just does things really well and keeps doing them well, it's not all that inspirational. We don't really connect with that. When we hear about people that just come out with a disaster and still get back up on their feet, you hear a story like that and you get more courage to take risks yourself. You develop some flexibility in your thinking. You're seeing the future and possible outcomes. This is a big one for people with ADHD. Sharing your failures is making a big investment in other people, and it's a generous thing. So wrapping up our episode today on how to make the most of your failures. Number one was humor. Use humor, take advantage of humor, lighten things up and kind of enjoy the process, even when you're failing. Number two is there are lessons probably wrapped in your failure, even if they're painful lessons. Take that from it, call it a win. Number three is that failing gives you an opportunity to get good at self-compassion. And that is a very, very powerful skill to get good at. And number four, when it fits the situation, share, share your failures, allow other people to benefit from your experience. And you really don't have to wait until you're on the cover of Forbes magazine to do that. You can do that right now with where you are. We are all work in progress and people will really appreciate it. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Stay tuned for a couple announcements. So we are approaching the holiday season and the one thing that's kind of consistent in my groups and my individual coaching is a lot of people talk about overwhelm at this time of year. I do have some overwhelm resources on my website. I have a free PDF that's meant to work as kind of an overwhelm flow sheet to help you break things down, see where you can cut down on overwhelm and how you can make whatever is in front of you a little bit more doable. Jump over to my website. This PDF is under the resources section of my website along with my blog and my podcast and the free sensory training, sensory strategies for ADHD. All of this is under the resources tab at www.theadhdclaritycoach.com. And I'll also have links in the show notes for today.